Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Thank you, evening everyone. Good to see everyone out tonight uh, with us. Um, Let me just get set up here. Ready to go. So yeah, as Tash said, we are going to be starting on to uh, a new theme over, over this next while at 166. I'll explain it just uh, in, in a little bit. Um, I don't know about you, it's, it, it's beautiful when you're sitting in just in the atmosphere just where there's such a sense of victory, isn't there? It's one of those ones I just feel like we, we could sit in this all night. <laughs> you know, this is, I felt it all weekend, I felt it all morning. This is, you know, this is why the word says, you know, therefore the deemed of the Lord will be strong because there's victory in our lives. And tonight, this is what I just would love even as we go into this. Tonight, as we speak, I would just love to just keep speaking truth and victory and breakthrough and more over everyone's lives because there's a voice that is being spoken that is the opposite over each and every one of our lives. And this is a moment when we get together as the people of God where we get to declare truth, where we get to declare the truth of God over our lives. We are victorious because of Jesus, and it's amazing. It's such a blessing to be part of the kingdom, isn't it? I, I just want to stand and say, I love Jesus. <laughs> I'm so thankful for Jesus, and it's, it's such a blessing to be part of this. So, yeah, let's, let's keep declaring it. And I, I would love, as Tash said, just really encourage you. We want to see other people step from, from death to life, from darkness to light. We want to see victory just being a the story that's on everyone's lips. That's why I would just love for all of us just to prioritize, if we can, just telling people about Alpha, making people aware about Alpha. We just, we, we want to be unapologetic just about telling people about Jesus. So let's, let's do that. All right, let's, let's go. Um, so this, um, this, this title, 166, I suppose one of the things I want to say about it just from the outset is that this isn't necessarily a title for a teaching series like we would normally do, um, but this, this is more a name that we kind of felt that we wanted to give to try and overarch all that we wanted to see released within the culture of what we do here on Sunday nights. So it is something that's a little bit different. We probably will keep the name uh, for, for a while and still maybe teach different things beyond it. So it's, it's more uh, than a teaching series. You know that in our morning, if you're about here in Lurgan, one of the things that we're going to be going on to uh, to teach in terms of our morning series in Lurgan is this, following Jesus in all of life. We want to really seek to outwork practically what it means to each step out the call of being a disciple of Jesus because it's, it's such a bigger thing. It's a much bigger thing sometimes than what we even realize when we step into this faith and reality with Jesus. It's much more than just calling ourselves and giving ourselves the label and title of Christian. Jesus says this, that this is what it means. It's that we, we submit to his lordship in every area of life. Being a disciple is so much more. And so this is a series we're going to be doing in the morning here um, in, in Lurgan. Prior to Christmas here on Sunday nights, the series that we were looking at at that stage was this, The Practice. And in the practice, I'll take a big part of the lead in this. We looked at some practices or rhythms that if, if we apply them and if we practice them in our lives, what we were saying and suggesting with this is that it really helps us with regards to spiritual formation and in this reality of becoming more like Christ, of growing in Christ-likeness. 
to step into the reality more naturally of what it means to live out the call of a discipleship each and every day. And the more and more we become like Christ, the easier it is to be Christ's disciple, the ones that are following him as, as we look at tonight. And uh, and so many people found this series just uh, such a breath of fresh air. Some people, maybe for some of the things in it, they'd heard before. But you know what? For me, it wasn't so much even about what was taught here. So the critique shouldn't really have been what was taught here and whether you like what happened in each of the nights. The thing that was so fresh about this series for me was about what actually we did with it outside of the Sunday nights. The people, the stories that we heard filtering back about how this was life-changing for people were the ones that hadn't just sat and had their ears tickled, but the ones who had actually put it into action and had started to roll out some of these practices in their lives. And I just want to just stand tonight and just testify. I've started just to do some of these myself. And just the rhythm over the last couple of months, I, I don't know what it is, but I've just felt almost like these last couple of months, I've just fallen in love with Jesus all over again. I just feel I just feel like a freshness in my spirit and my soul at the moment. I feel like that there's just a real fire in my belly. The more and more I just spend time with the Lord at the moment. And and so for me, what what I really felt was that coming off the back of this, that we really had two options. We either that this was something that we just we moved on, we started into a new teaching series, and we can forget this. Because I, I don't know about you, if I was to if I was to ask, I'm, going to, I'm not going to shame anyone, but if I was to ask you, so say, for example, some of our previous teaching series here where we did like sort of uh, the wisdom, wisdom literature, or we, the Messiah series, if I was to ask you to start telling me about some of the things within it that you can remember, some of the things that were life-changing for you, I wonder how many hands would go up and stories of testimony. It's not as if they were bad because it was the truth of the gospel. We were sitting on the truth of the word. People were really changed and spoken to through a lot of those things. But what I'm saying is that I felt with what we started to practice with this, I feel that there's something different that we could do. Rather than moving on and simply starting into something new and forgetting it, one of the things that I thought we could do is that we could use these larger gatherings, particularly what we do here on a Sunday night, so that they become a foundational part of our culture and our lives as disciples, that we can continue to practice practice some of the things that we looked at in this series that we can use our Sunday nights in a different way so that it can add to our lives and it can start to enrich our lives and help us with what we're doing. So on to why 166, right? Over Christmas and on holidays, I was reading just a few different books, some of them all around spiritual rhythms, some of them about living missional lives and living intentionally for Jesus. And there's one of the books, one of the authors, he just said this line, and it was a bit of a throwaway line. I don't think the author was writing it as a throwaway line, but as I read it, I hadn't really taken, but I started to focus on this fact. And he said, it was just a couple of stats that he had pulled out. And the first one was this, there are 168 hours in a week. So each and every week that we are alive, there's 168 hours. And roughly, on average, two of these are spent in a church, right? If you are a churchgoer like we are here in Northern Ireland, some people go twice on a Sunday. Some people go once on a Sunday. Even the people who come once on a Sunday will knock around for tea and toast and things like that. But on average, we spend about two hours in church on a Sunday. And my head started to just tick over, and I started to think to myself, how do we use these two hours that we have on a Sunday, and well, depending on how you were brought up, right? How do we use these two hours either at the close of the week or the beginning of the week, whatever way you were taught that around, but how do we use it as we gather for two hours on a Sunday to really sharpen us, to prepare us, to focus us about how we as believers together are prepared to engage with the 166. Now, if Lenny is 
Lanny is here. Lanny might have his calculator. He was doing all the stats this morning. You know that there's 168 hours in a week. If you take away the two here, we're left with 166. How do we use these this time that we gather, not just to be something that we do just because we've got into the rhythm and the routine of coming out to church once a day or twice a day on a Sunday just to hang out with people? And yes, it's nice, and hopefully we've, we feel inspired. It was great singing songs and declaring songs of victory and worship over our life. But how do we use it that it's much more than this? How do we use it that beyond that we are ready to engage fully with God in every area of our lives in the 166 that every part of us has given to us, that this, what we do is, is for that. And, uh, and as I've been praying this through, I felt the Lord said that our times together in these two hours, or the times that we spend, really would be around this, these two words. These are the two words I felt, participation and preparation. Participation and preparation. More than ever, I don't know about you, but more than ever, we want to be a church that breaks the status quo that has leaked into the Western church. Where there, it just seems to be, isn't there, this real consumeristic mentality? Uh, and yet what Jesus is calling us to do is to participate, to be involved, to take hold of all that God has called us to do and all that God has for us in lives. This is in our lives. This is what Paul says. Oh, there was really getting into that one. I went a bit bigger. Um, this is what Paul says to the church in Philippi. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I press on. Tonight, we have just been singing songs about victory. Do you know what? It's really, it's great being able to stand as the people together, the people of the Lord, and declare victory, the victory of God. But you know what? This is, this is the procession of victory about what is our posture and how do we journey from this point. The procession of victory is that, God, we are going to press on to take hold of all that you have for us. We are not going to settle for second best. We're not going to settle for a second-class reality in terms of our faith and what we are and how we engage with you. God, we're going to press on to take hold of all that you have for us. There is much for us to be doing and actively hold, are taking hold of in our lives. So if we're going to develop and live out, now here's, this is a bit of a tongue twister for me, so I wrote it down. If we're going to develop and live out a naturally participatory mindset, that's a big word, if joining in with the kingdom movement rather than just gleaning from the kingdom movement is what we flow out of naturally, then we need to ensure that times when we gather like this, we participate, right? When you come here on a Sunday night over this next while, I want you to be ready to participate, right? We're not here to consume. You're going to be involved in your learning each of the Sunday nights that we gather. You're going to participate, because what we do here is training for the 166, right? If you won't even participate here, you're less likely to participate when you go on your own, right? So what we do here is training for the 166. It's interesting, actually, um, Sam, so there's 168 hours in a week. Sam 168, so Sam 16, verse 8 says this, Because I have set the Lord continually before me, I will not be moved. There's something about just practicing the presence continually, <laughs> that we just press in and continue to do it. And so this is what I would love. Uh, tonight as we start into this, we're going to take the next 20, 30 minutes and we're just going to lead in just with the flow of, of what this is going to be. Over, over, the next, um, over the next while, this is where the flow of our Sunday nights would be like. Some of the things we're going to be doing on our Sunday night rhythms is this. Firstly, we're going to worship. We've done it. We'll worship at the end. We want to just allow the song of the Lord to just come out of the people of the Lord and just declare the victory that he has won for us. We're going to be singing. We're going to be worshiping. But we're also going to be practicing. We're going to use these nights to practice. 
right? We're going to practice spiritual formation rhythms. We've taught on them. Now all we're just going to simply do is just every week do different ones, just that if we can practice them here, we're more likely to do them when we're on our own out there. There's certain things we'll do, like we will pray maybe prayers of liturgy. We will pray prayers for the nations. Whatever it might be, we will be doing things in here that we can be embedding into our lives for outside there in the 166. We want this to be formational for us, not just that we remember a series that we talked about one time, but we're actually going to be engaging on it as a people together. There will be a teach. I'm going to hear me, and this is my commitment. Right, so I'm going to have a bit of an introduction tonight, but when I go into the teach, I'm going to be trying to keep the teaches each of the weeks to no more than 20, 25 minutes. That's my promise. How about that? Can I hear a yes to that one each, each of the weeks? Amen to that. Actually, don't say anything. Um, so we're going, to, we're going to be teaching each of the weeks as well. They're going to be responding. We're going to leave times for you to practically to respond to this so that it's not just here, here teach and then go out quickly for into the after church cafe. We're going to leave space for you to, to meditate and ask the Lord, what is he actually speaking to you about these things? And then some of the weeks as well, not tonight for time's sake, but some of the nights we're just going to be finishing and just focusing on Jesus before we step into the 166 and remember the Lord. Does that sound all right? That's what we're going to be doing. This is about participation. This is about preparation because we are all involved in this. We are all on the journey with the Lord. And so tonight what we're going to do, we're just going to start with a practice. And uh, what I would thought we would do tonight um, to begin with is this, the examine. So we're just going to do this for five minutes and then I'm going to bring us into a teach, right? So this is us starting to participate in some of this tonight. So what I would love us to do, if, if you have a phone in your hand at the moment, switch it off, put it away, right? Um, so that wasn't the cue to get it out. Because what we're going to do is we're going to get a bit of space just on our own here with the Lord just for a few moments, just to allow the Holy Spirit just to speak to you personally about some of these things. When we were teaching this series, the whole point of the exam, and this was something that we, would, uh, we were suggesting you would do at the end of a day, uh, as a way of being able to reflect on all that had happened through that day, both the good and the bad of the ways maybe you'd stepped in and pressed into more of the kingdom and ways maybe that you had stepped away or maybe hadn't been as close to God on some of these things. With the examine, while we would do it daily, what we're going to do tonight, I'm just going to ask us that we would reflect our last week, right, as, as we practice this. This is a verse just to kind of set the context. Let's just read this together and then we're going to spend time just in stillness and silence and I'm going to lead us through this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is, this is what we want to do with this. So what I'm going to ask you to do is get yourself comfortable. Get yourself comfortable. We're going to take about five minutes for this. You don't need to look at the screens, you'll see them at the end, but there's five steps of this, five hours that we're simply going to just lead through. So if, um, where you're at, why don't you just close your eyes at the moment? The first step of examine is we're going to recenter. I just would love you just in this moment just to embrace just silence, and uh, I would love you to just settle your heart and your mind and your body. I would just love you even just to invite the presence of Jesus, so why don't you just even if, if you want to, you can even into yourself say his name, invite the Holy Spirit. Just take a moment to be still and settle yourselves in his presence.
Right, what I would love you to start doing, I would love you just in your head, just still, just you before the Lord. I'd love you to start reviewing this past week. Allow some of the moments just to, to go through your mind. What I would love just in this moment of silence as we do it, I would love just for you as you reflect on it, just to notice what you are noticing. Some things maybe that were good, some things that have made you happy, some high points in this past week. Something maybe that has made you anxious, things maybe where that hasn't been great, maybe where you feel that you had stepped away from God rather than towards him. Let's just allow it just to play through in your mind. First of all, just as we do it, why don't you just in yourself just firstly thank God for your week and then just allow just the activities of it just to start filtering through the story of what's happened this past week. Why don't you thank him firstly? Right, the first thing I want you to do is just one of those moments that there's something that you just want to rejoice in. There might be one or two. I just love you just even to bring them before the Lord. And I would just love you to rejoice and thank him for those moments. Just reflect on his goodness. Okay, and why don't you just take that just a step further throughout this past week, if there's been moments just where you, you just acknowledge maybe it was just a time that you maybe didn't follow Jesus wholeheartedly, just something maybe just for you to acknowledge before him, there's no condemnation in this at all. This is us sitting before a father of love and grace and compassion. But it might be a moment, just maybe a moment of anger, it might have been a moment even of gossip, different things, whatever it might have been. If there's moments this, that has happened this week, why don't you just again bring it before the Lord and just release and give it to him.
And then let's just finish. The last, the last one of these is just simply that we would resolve. Why don't you just resolve in yourself, just whatever some of these things have been, just that there, there would be a change this week. There would be a, an effort on our part to change these things. We acknowledge some of these things that we need to lay down. Our resolve in our heart to step into the more and the better and the best of what God has for us. Why don't you just even thank him just for his grace afresh, just even in this moment. Celebrate his victory. And then the final thing we suggested that we would do in this was just that we would behold God beholding us. I want you even in your mind just to picture Jesus standing right before you and I. I would just love you just to picture Jesus and the smile on his face towards you. Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for these moments just when we get to be still before you, where we can be still and know you. Thank you that in this posture of victory, Holy Spirit, that this is part of our journey as we allow space for you to speak. We say thank you, God. We rejoice in the moments, God, of victory, God, and breakthrough. We say sorry for the moments, God, Lord, where we maybe didn't, um, we didn't step into the best of all you had. But Jesus, we just thank you for your goodness and your love. And we resolve, Father God, just in our hearts, would you lead us into all that you have for us in this coming week. God, as we step into... The rest of this 166, God, with the remainder time that we have, God, every part of it, lead us, Holy Spirit, we pray, into all that you have, Jesus, in your beautiful name. Amen. Amen. It's good being still before the Lord, isn't it? So what we, what we want to do now, I'm just going to take 20 minutes. We're going to be looking at the Sermon on the Mount. If you have Bibles with you each of the weeks, we're going to be going through this. It's Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Um, obviously, we're not going to teach all three chapters in one night. Um, otherwise, we'll definitely not get it done in 20 minutes. Tonight, I'm just going to look at the first two verses in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, and we're going to try and do a bit of a teach off two verses. Um, so um, I'm going to just pull out a few things. What I've done this week, to suppose for myself, one of the other practices, which I would do a lot of the time even when I, when I come to, to preach, um, is I would sometimes with the passage that I have, I would do a Lectio Divina on it and just where I would just bring it before the Lord and allow him to speak to me through it. And probably what I've done so much with this this week, just allowing the Holy Spirit to speak. We'll be practicing that again some of the weeks as, they, as we go on. But this is Matthew chapter 5, verses uh, 1 and 2. So the Sermon on the Mount is the teachings of Jesus. Um, this is called the greatest sermon that he ever, that he ever preached. And uh, and so what we're going to do is we're going to unpack this. It's probably going to just journey with this probably through to the near to June time. So we're going to take it just little bits at a time and go through it. But let's, let's just read these two verses. Really simple. Let's just read it on the screen. So it says, Seeing the crowds, he went up in the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them. Let's read it again. Seeing the crowds, he went up in the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth, and he taught them. There's three things, right, just in these 20 minutes, three things that I just want to pick out of this really simply. Three things that as I sat before the Lord, I felt him just impress us on my heart. Some of the things they felt uh, Jesus was leading his disciples, leading us into through this. The first thing, and this one's pretty obvious, 
It seems to be a lot of the time when I'm reading the gospel narratives. My mind's eye just seems to focus on this quite a bit. And so when I was reading this this week, the first thing that stuck out was this because it seems to be just in my mind all the time. And it was this, the difference between crowds and disciples, right? The difference between crowds and disciples. It says this on the screen, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. There's, there's a massive distinction uh, between the two. Um, many, many times we read, let me just from a place there, many times we read of large numbers of people and crowds who came and followed Jesus. So for example, here's a couple, a couple of examples. There's loads of times in the gospel we read about crowds of people coming. And it says this, and Luke, now large crowds were going along with him and he turned and he said to them, and then he teaches Mark and he went off with him and a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. There are many references about the crowds of people that were following Jesus. The thing about the crowd is that while they followed, there was no personal engagement. There was no personal commitment to this. The crowds came and saw. It's almost like what we were talking about, that consumeristic mentality that can so easily slip into the church. The crowds came and saw, but they went home and they got on almost with their, their normal lives, right? We see that even, for example, in the following. So here's a passage that references the crowds again in Matthew 21. Most of the crowd spread their coats in the road. This is triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road. The crowds going ahead of him and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The crowds can so easily turn up and do the right things, but there's no personal commitment. There's no what we're just talking about, pressing on to take hold because there's no actual personal relationship with Jesus in this one. Because what we actually see is that these crowds who one moment were shouting Hosanna and praising Jesus, very shortly after us were shouting the words, crucify him. While the crowds were, were coming along, they, they seemed to be all about what, what they were getting out of this for themselves. For a disciple, however, there is or should be no distinction between your life with Jesus and your, your normal life. We know that, don't we? When Jesus comes and calls his disciples, this is what he comes and says, these words, follow me. He isn't calling them to come for a moment. He's calling them, as our definition would say, to come and follow in every area of their life. Jesus clearly distinguishes what it means to follow and the cost that it entails. This is what Jesus says it means to be a disciple. Take up your cross. And follow me, the cross, while we celebrate it, the cross was a symbol of death and torture. Jesus is saying, take up your cross. If you want to follow me, if you want to be a disciple, take up your cross. Jesus lays out clearly that the cost of discipleship is denying yourself, dying to self, laying down our rights, and following him regardless of the situation. This is what, so as we go on in these coming weeks, right, this is what I really feel as you read the Sermon on the Mount. This is what Jesus is trying to teach his disciples to do, how to follow in different life circumstances. We're going to be looking at these in the coming weeks. Following Jesus is easy, isn't it, when, when life runs smoothly. Our true commitment to him is revealed during trials. Jesus assured us the trials will come to his followers discipleship demands sacrifice, and Jesus never hid the cost. Here's the question, I just very briefly, this is the end of my first point. First question I want to ask is this, where are you when it comes to this question? Would you consider yourself to be more on the side of the crowd that like to just come and to join in and to, to hear good teaching or to join, come and be part of whatever else is going on? 
but there's not actually any personal commitment to this. You're more people in the crowd that would come in just for a moment, but then you've got your normal life. There's like church, and then there's your normal life. There's, there's your normal friends and your everyday sort of life and your work and stuff, and then you've got your Christian friends, you know, the ones that you just would see on a Sunday, you would do holy things with now and again. Is there a distinction between it, or would you see yourself on the side of disciple where it's every part of your life is like, Jesus, this is all for you? And the thing is, this is where I'm asking myself this. What can so easily happen is that sometimes when we're on the journey of disciple, we don't actually realize that we've slipped into crowd mentality, that we've, we've actually taken our eyes off the prize. And we just go through the rhythms. Do you ever find that in your life? You go through the rhythms. And just like it seems to be like you're just doing the things just for the sake of doing it because you know that it's right sometimes the things to do, but there's not actually... And yet what God is calling us to is like, this is every bit of us within this. It's just really simple question just at the start of this before I go on with my main point. But where do you see yourself at the moment? Where would you like to be? For some people, even in the room, maybe you don't know Jesus yet personally. Maybe you've been coming and this is what it seems like. You come to church and it seems uh, it's it's really nice place to be around. It's hopefully you, you like the teas and the coffees and the food and things that we do here. You've got a nice welcome. Mark always t- says this line to me: "You're so so welcome." Hopefully, someone has said that to you when you arrived in church. Hopefully, you felt welcomed in it. But we want it to be more than that. We want it to recognize that actually it's coming from not just being part of the crowd. We want you to come on this journey. Following Jesus is the most exciting thing you can ever do with your life. Stepping into all that he has for you. So where are you at the moment? And I think it's really important that we reflect on this time and time again. Let me go on to my next main point. Seeing, this is what it says, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. It's really important. Sometimes we can just so easily gloss over things like this as we read it and just because they're normal words. Um, and we miss out on the depth of what God actually would want to lead us in this. And this is what I really, I really felt myself as I was reading this one. As Jesus comes and he sees this crowd, this isn't just like there was a casual glance around. He's thinking, my, my goodness, there's a lot of people about tonight. He's not saying that. This is much, much more. This is Jesus, the creator of all things. The one who was part of their choosing the plans and the purposes and the destinies for every person's life from before the beginning of time. This was Jesus who was there at the beginning, the author of all things. And he's looking at these people and it says that he sees the crowd. The thing is, is that when Jesus saw this crowd, he wasn't just seeing the number. He was actually seeing into their hearts. He was seeing into their minds. He was seeing into the very difficulties and the life circumstances that were presenting themselves in this group of people. And he was seeing it all. And the thing tonight you need to hear is that Jesus sees you. He sees you and like, I mean, really sees you. Maybe there's some people in the room tonight, you just think to yourself, no one ever sees you. No one ever acknowledges you. You just feel like no one gives you the time of day. Hear this tonight, Jesus sees you. He sees everything that's going on in your life. Some people are going through some real difficulties at the moment. Jesus, this is what it says in the Psalms. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. Listen to what Jesus says. All the churches, this is in the book of Revelations, all the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give it to each one of you according to your deeds. So as Jesus sees all these people, this is what he sees, right? He sees, he feels, he hears every hurt, all the pain and all the struggles. And so as he looks out at this group of people, this is what he starts to see. He sees one person over the side and he recognizes this person's in real poverty. 
There's people with real money issues. He sees someone else over here who's just he's got a real sickness. And according to their society, they were outcasts. No one wanted to bother with them. And Jesus sees them. He sees it. He sees the hurt and the pain and the shame that was in their life because of it. He sees someone else towards the back of the crowd, and he sees that actually they've lost a loved one recently, and they're mourning. He can see, he can feel the grief that's in their heart. This isn't just a casual glance. He sees it. He sees some other people who are struggling with anger and some other people that are struggling with lust. He sees some other people, because it's not just into the hearts, he sees it into the minds, and he sees some other people, and they've got anxiety, and they've got fear, they've got depression in their minds. He sees it. He looks around, and he sees it. He sees some people who are just really trying to grapple with this thing about the kingdom of God, and people who are really struggling. They don't know how to pray. They don't know what to be doing. And then he looks around, and he sees the religious people, the people that are just out to get him, these people that are just the most religious that you could ever meet, and he sees them. He sees what's really going on underneath the facade. He sees each and everything about these people. Any of those circumstances sound familiar to any of us in the room? And Jesus looks and he sees it. This is what I want you to know tonight is that it says it's the eyes of the Lord go to and fro through the earth. And this, I know it says in this verse it's about to see those who are committed to him, but it's, it sees you tonight. And everything that's going on in your life, he sees you. And what happened with Jesus, right, is that Jesus, what he goes on to do, off the back of this, he teaches the Sermon on the Mount, these three chapters. Everything that he teaches in the Sermon on the Mount, it isn't just called the greatest sermon. And the people in Matthew chapter 8 where they said they were astonished at his teaching, it wasn't just because Jesus had done great teaching for the sake of doing great teaching or because of the way he articulated things. Jesus was looking and was speaking right into these people's lives. Everything, so next week when we go on to look at the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor, it's because there was poor people sitting around him. And when he goes on to talk about anger, it's because he could see people who were struggling with these things. Jesus is speaking about it. The interesting thing is that when he sees the people, what does it say that he does? When he saw the people, he, does it say that straight away he went to try and tell them where they were going wrong? Before he sat down, where did he go? He went up the mountain. Jesus, it's really important, right? It's really important. Jesus doesn't, doesn't jump straight in. Say, well, let me tell you what's wrong. Let me fix it for you. Jesus, it says, goes up the mountain. Now, here's the thing. As Jesus looks at this crowd of people, the last thing that Jesus is thinking is, oh, for goodness sake, I've just been ministering all day. I just wanted a moment of my own, right? I'm away, I'm away up for a wee dander up the mountain here. To get, he, he, Jesus was not doing that. Because he knows that this crowd are here from him. He knows they're going to follow him. What Jesus was doing, and this is the thing that I just felt was really key with this. You see, the thing that's significant about the mountain, the mountain was a significant place for Jesus. It was one of the places where he had his significant times alone with the Father. Time and time again, we read things like this. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. This is where Jesus got alone with the Father. This was his place of being. And it's interesting that Jesus takes them there, right, to the place of connection that he has with the Father, away from their circumstances to the place of being alone. As we go through this series repeatedly, this is what Jesus is calling the society. You might liken yourself to one of the people in the crowd that Jesus is speaking to. But Jesus, this is what he does. This is, this is what I love about Jesus. 
well, these people are all sitting around and this, they're all at their area, so in their town, whatever it is, and so they're all near their homes and they've probably just left their works and things and they're sitting here with Jesus. And they have all this different thing, this mix of stuff that I just explained that's going on. Here's what Jesus does. Jesus actually takes them and he takes them up a mountain. Jesus, what he wants to do is that he wants to actually take them away from their gaze being on their situations and their circumstances where they're at and he wants to lift their gaze to somewhere higher. Jesus has taken them to the place of intimacy and being alone with the Father. I'm going to explain a little bit more about this in a second. But this is the first thing I wanted to point out. If there's situations and circumstances that are presenting themselves in the room tonight, as you cry out to the Father, Jesus just doesn't want to keep you where you're at. Jesus actually wants to give you a different perspective. Jesus actually wants to lift your eyes onto something different. This is why it says this in the Psalms. I love this Psalm. Lift up your heads, O gates. And be lifted up, O ancient doors. Why? That the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King. Jesus was lifting their heads and lifting their eyes. He was bringing them up to a different place. And, uh, and when they were there, it was here at this place that Jesus was going to speak to them. While people were caught with their circumstances and struggles, he wasn't simply going to speak to them in a place of their gaze being upon it. He brought them to the place where their gaze and their focus could be on him and alone with him. Listen, while your prayer is, Jesus, help me with my circumstance, Jesus just wants you to get alone with him. There's stuff that he has to speak to you, even when you're going through your circumstance. There's things that he has to say. And time alone with God is the most significant thing. When he saw the crowds, he went up the mountain and he taught. He taught the people out of the place of his encounters with the Father. The other thing they felt was really important was this. Jesus, it says that he went up the mountain. So, again, part of me as in question was like, Lord, why, these people were here for you. Why did you not just heal them? Why did you not just do what you've always done, like, and just, you know, zap them and bam them, whatever you needed to do, and, like, let's just, you could have taken a rest at that stage and gone home. What Jesus does, and this is the thing I think is really important, because while some of us in the room are going through circumstances, some people aren't, but here's the thing, and I feel that this is part of our discipleship, and this is probably my last main point. I feel that it's part of our discipleship. This is what Jesus wants to lead us to. There are people in your lives who are hurting. There are people in your lives that are going through some really, really tough circumstances in life. And Jesus actually, in this moment, is teaching you how to engage with them, right? Because this is what he does, is that when he sees the crowd, and not just seeing, right, we've covered this, he really sees this crowd, what he does is that he starts to go alone to his place with the Father, and he starts to climb. And as, as he starts to climb the mountain, because it's not like an episode of Star Trek, so it's not as if suddenly he was at the bottom and he's zapped right up to the top. He has to climb. He has to journey. And as he's journeying and as he's walking, I could just imagine Jesus as he's talking, saying, Father, there's, there's people here who are really caught with just poverty. Father, know what society says about them. Father, there's people here who have anger and lust. Father, the religious guys here just... I do, Father, what's your word for them? Father, what do you want to say to them? As they're journeying and as he's going up the mountain, and when he's ready, this is the thing, as Jesus journeys and as he goes up, there gets to a point that says, and then he sat down because he's ready to speak a message. And what he does is at that moment, he speaks life. We're going to unpack it over these coming weeks. 
He gives this sermon that at the very end of it, everyone's astounded. See, the thing we need to remember is Jesus, while he was fully God, he was fully man. And Jesus needed dependency on the Father. And so Jesus at this moment, as he sees all these different things presenting themselves, really seeing all these things, Jesus realizes, I need to hear the word of the Father for these people. What Jesus was teaching us, modeling out, was this amazing biblical principle, and it's this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. Here's the thing I would just ask. Do you know the way sometimes when you're with people and they're going through some really tough things, do you ever struggle to know what to say? Anyone ever been like that? Do you know where you say to someone like just a throwaway, oh, how you doing? And, and someone says, oh, I'm really not good. And you're like, oh, well, I wasn't expecting that. So, and then as we courtesy, well, what's up? And they tell you something awful and you don't know. <laughs> do you ever been like that? It's just me, no. Yeah, we have. And you know what? Sometimes what can so easily happen, I'm not saying really all the time you just stare at them and don't say anything. I'm not saying that either, right? What can so easily happen is that we can sometimes, when we think that we are speaking with wisdom, we can say some things that can just be so hurtful and can be so damaging. And one of the things that I feel that it's really important that as disciples of Jesus, because this is what our teacher teaches us and leads us to do, is this, be slow to speak and quick to listen. It's, Father, what is your word for this person? Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to this person? Because you are speaking life. You know their situation and circumstance better than anyone. So what are you speaking to them? What is it? And you know what? It's in those moments. Sometimes I'm sitting with people and I'll say something and it's just like this unlock moment and I don't know where it's come. And it's because before I've gone in up and praying, God, I don't know what to say. <laughs> but I, I just need you to speak. I don't always do it. And the times I don't do it, the times usually I mess it up. And I say something like, why on earth did I say that? I need to probably apologize to that person the next time I see them. And this is the principle. Be slow to speak and quick to listen with all the circumstances that are going on. And finally, I would just say this. This is the last thing. Jesus in this just desires more than anything to teach us. I would just love to invite you over these coming weeks because this is me wrapping up. It's my 20 minutes done. What is your posture going to be? Jesus, as a rabbi and as our teacher, his heart is to lead you. So while tonight we can... We can celebrate, and we can sing, and we can shout victory. What Jesus wants to do is he wants to take you a step further. And tomorrow, as we celebrate victory, what Jesus wants to do is he just doesn't want to keep you there. He wants to take you a step further. And he wants to lead you into more and more and more victory. There's other victories ahead in your life. And there's other things present. And this is what Jesus wants to do. He just simply wants to teach he wants to lead us into all these things. And what our hearts cry be, Father, teach me your ways. Lord, teach us your ways in these times. What I would love us to do, just as Dixie and the guys come, and this is me wrapped up, just three things, these three points I would love you to reflect on. Again, is this. So, firstly, just to ask that question, where do you feel you are tonight? Because the heart of the Father and the heart of Jesus is that he just wants you to be part of this. This is why he's called you to be his disciple. And so where are you at the moment? How are you journeying? And then secondly, just as Jesus sees you, he sees your circumstance, how are you dealing with it personally? The encouragement tonight is just to lift your eyes because there's, there's a different viewpoint that he has for you.
And secondly, it's up for the people who are around you. This is what I feel the Lord would lead us to do as his disciples, is this, be slow to speak and quick to listen. Listen, if, this, if the story of this city is going to be rewritten, the last thing we want to do is to speak another word of humanity and of human reasoning. What we want to do is to speak the word of the Lord into people's lives. That's what it means to be the church. What I would love us to do, just as the guys get ready here, two, two questions just to reflect on. Take a moment, just in stillness, and ask us. Sorry, I should say this. This is where the Sermon on the Mount finishes. This is where we're going to. So this is what your heart should be each week. Everyone, this is Jesus says then, who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Each week, that's what our heart should be. Jesus, right, whatever you're saying, whether it's through things like we've just done with the exam on, whatever you've spoken, I don't want to do it. I want to be wise. Jesus, whatever you've spoken, even in what we've just heard, Holy Spirit, if he's been speaking to you, be wise in this. And so here's what I'd love you to just reflect on. Just close your eyes just for one more minute. And then we're going to just stand and sing just to close. Firstly, just to ask is this. These two questions we ask all the time here in Emmanuel. We feel it just is part of our heart's cry every day. First question to ask is this, God, what are you saying to me tonight? I would just love you to take a moment and allow the Holy Spirit to speak. What's the main thing that he's been speaking? And then the second question, just as we close this for you, just as you continue, just to reflect, is this. So God has spoken. You've heard the Holy Spirit say something specific. Second question for you to ask yourself is, what am I going to do about it? Ask yourself, what, what is God asking you to put into practice this week by what he has spoken to you tonight? If we're saying this is for the 166, then let's be practical. What does it mean? All right, what I'd love you to do, stand to your feet, will you? Next week, we'll go into it a lot more. That was just two verses. So uh, next week, we'll be in the Beatitudes. We'll be looking at that. What I would love to do, just before we worship, I would just love to just pray for us tonight. Each, each time we gather, sorry, my kids are having an argument behind me here, so just ignore them. Um, <laughs> over flags. There you go. Only in Northern Ireland. <laughs> What I'd love you to do, I would love us just to just to commission ourselves for this because this is us being sent out to another week, living our lives for Jesus, to see the kingdom come in our lives and through our lives for other people. So why don't you put your hand on your, on your chest tonight? I would just love to just pray a prayer of commission over us tonight just as we do this. 
Father, thank you for the call upon each and every one of our lives. Um, and God, I just pray, Lord, that this week would be a moment where we step into increased intimacy with you. Father, I thank you for your love in our lives. And, uh, and God, I just pray, Lord, that even as we have practiced examine tonight, God, even if we, uh, for those of us, God, who will continue to embed it in our lives, God, in other rhythms, God, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you will have the space to speak. We present ourselves to you. We give give you the gift of our time. And God, I just pray, Lord, that this week we would get sweet times with you, Jesus. And God, more than that, I just pray, God, that you wouldn't just do stuff in our lives, but Holy Spirit, I just pray right now that you would commission us, that you would fill us up with your anointing again once more. I thank you for the sense of victory in the house tonight. And God, as we leave, God, we leave, God, with the posture, God, Lord, of, of victory, God, in our hearts and our minds. God, we thank you that we have been called, we have been set apart by you, Jesus. And so we just thank you, God, that you've told us this. Jesus, this is the words you've spoken to go out into all the world and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, as we go, we thank you that this is your promise, that you are with us. And so God, use us this week. Speak to us this week. Holy Spirit, be present with us this week. Fill us up, we pray afresh right now. Be glorified in this worship in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship him tonight, can we? We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.